Hello and welcome back Beyond the Sofa. I'm Peter. And I'm Dave. And you're very welcome. We're busy dusting off the uh, Beyond the Sofa <laughs> offices and surfing towers. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's been a long time uh, since our last episode, but the time is right, of course. The arrival of the new Doctor, Doctor number 13, Jodie Whittaker, in her debut, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Jamie Childs. So, Dave, I watched this um, almost terrestrially. TVNZ down here uh, has an on-demand service, which meant that come 7.45 Monday morning, New Zealand time, the episode was ready to be watched, and I had the day off. So I watched part of it with Junior and finished it off with him in the evening. How about you? I watched it Monday night. I, I didn't have the luxury of a day off work but I did have the luxury of a day off work because it's school holidays here as well, dear listener. Uh, Today, which is Wednesday, as we're recording with my children again, and, yeah, we're we're watching it via modern technology that wouldn't have existed when we were their age. So it will actually be screened terrestrially proper on Friday night, I understand. Mm. Uh, But as I say, the on-demand app through the TVNZ website is a godsend. Uh, you're almost watching it live yes. uh, having said that dear listeners uh, with that in mind if you haven't watched it yet we're, we're going all in spoiler wise don't, don't expect a spoiler free review from us in fact the spoiler free review is Peter did you like it? yeah it was alright yeah. <laughs> Dave did you like it? yeah it was alright spoilers start now <laughs> uh, and, be warned and what about, um, what about the, the new we uh, how did the kids find it uh, they enjoyed it my daughter is is about uh, nearly 11 and my son is uh, about nine and the, she got more out of it than he did i think they both found it a little bit too industrial shall we say well it's it Sheffield. was too yeah but it's <laughs> it was too sort of uh, earthbound mm. and and uh, you know, there's a monster around the earth, sort of thing. It wasn't the big spectacle of Doctor Who they've seen before, with planets exploding and dinosaurs on a spaceship mm. and such. So it was a different. It wasn't what they were expecting, but they're keen to see next week, which is the big thing. Yes, that is. Um, How about? Uh, so he um, watched it with me, as I say, uh, and was was reasonably engaged. We, we had a few talking points um, through the episode. And he'll be tuning in again next week. The whole idea of a female doctor has been completely not an issue for him. Um, and so the big concern for him was no title sequence. And in fact, you know, I was thinking, oh, well, you know, cold opening and we'll eventually get there. No. <laughs> yeah. So he left a little bit disappointed. I think his, um, <laughs> I think his obsessive compulsiveness, which he doesn't have, but his obsessive compulsiveness was demanding. Um, his and, inner uh, fan. Yeah. His... <laughs> Um, the, well, the elephant of the room of uh, girl doctor, yeah, more important for my daughter, I suspect, because she's of an age where you're beginning to notice the gender divide. But my son didn't. Yeah, it's mm. a story with spaceships and aliens and things. So, mm. hey. so just returning to that idea that it was a very sort of industrial, mechanical, if you will, um, debut. Yeah, it, it 
it seems that you know five doctors in to the new series we're now almost in a pattern for a debut story where it's set on earth it's usually in the modern day uh, deep breath notwithstanding and the doctor comes to the companion well yes but i remember many years ago even before the new series there was a dwm article i think it was mm-hmm. scott gray and the the what they were doing is they were sort of mix and matching different stories. You know, what story would work with a different Doctor? Yeah. And I, I think it was Scott Gray, but it may not have been, uh, talking about um, you could remake Spearhead from Space as McGann's debut because it has all the things you need for a good Doctor Who debut story. You have a, a modern-day setting, so you don't, you know, everything's comfortable in which to place the alien threat in. You're not distracting from the new Doctor or the new companion. The new companion, if you want your companion to be a modern-day companion, has got to be picked up from that environment anyway. The aliens are not particularly intellectually challenging. Autons are great because they don't talk. And then mm. you can focus your first story on the Doctor themselves. And since the series has come back, that's sort of been the pattern even deep breath victorian london is pretty much shorthand in doctor who if it's not on modern day earth it's in victorian london and yeah. and the paternoster gang were well established so you sort of knew who they were and you could focus on the doctor mm. or the companions relation to the doctor uh as, as as that turned out but of course in this one a lot of emphasis on the new companions we start with the new companion we develop an understanding of how the new friends, I guess we can't call on companions, the new friends work together. There is a nucleus of, of Ryan. No, well, well, no, Fermax companions of us all. We're, they are all companions. The Doctor is a companion of them, I think. Oh. I, I'm, just, I'm just aping the Doctor and sort of being a little bit uncomfortable with the foot term. Oh, OK. And I think even, even Chibnall himself has sort of said there aren't companions for this Doctor, there are friends. OK. Uh, so, yeah, she's sort of tired of the idea of companions, friends, fam. Mm. Thank God Fram didn't catch on before sort of settling on friends, I think. But Ryan's your nucleus for a very brief time. Uh, we have his, his grand, Grace, and, and uh, then, of course, Graham and Yasmin mm. um, in the mix as well. Did you like the campaign? I thought they were great. Uh, I mm. actually warmed to them quicker than the Doctor. Not a failing of the Doctor. It's just it's a very typical thing for a first story the doctor is a little bit overwhelmed at the start of the story mm-hmm. so it takes a little while to hit the you know it's episode two or three before you hit the doctor's stride so i found the companions much more um instantly accessible and i thought they all were um i was sad to see grace go because i thought that was a bit narratively convenient and she was good fun too mm-hmm. so Brian Graham and Yaz are very watchable, very fun. Hopefully the, the format can sustain a three-companion lineup. That's my only slightly vague reservation, is how that's going to work in the, the, the new show format. If that is to be the format, of course, I, I, I think there's still a few unknowns. And, and It was months ago that people were sort of suggesting perhaps the companions are separated in time, but... Perf- don't know <laughs> we shall see um, um yeah. I, I do wonder just speaking of companions and and their their potential life in the show the uh, dyspraxia and cancer backstories i wonder mm. if they're going to play out into any way shape or form the same way evelyn smythe's heart condition would that was who i was thinking of too mm. so the big finnish companion evelyn smythe who 
probably a little bit more grace than the Graham to her. She was also a ready-made adventurer, really, mm. uh, which uh, in this instance seemed to be almost the downfall of grace. But yeah, yeah, that that, that became a bit of a story point uh, for her adventures with the Sixth Doctor. Yeah, maybe. I mean, certainly the the dyspraxia is not something that you get over if you don't develop out of it as a child. You have it for life, and um, mm. I would be very surprised if it didn't turn out to be at least a plot or story point, if not necessarily mm. an arc of this. Yeah. I think it speaks very broadly to what looks like part of the game plan for this um, this series is diversity, you know, and, and diversity of uh, abilities as well. But, it, but it's a very specific, I won't say obscure, but um, non-profile... Uh, disability to have, shall we say. I, I, I'm not exactly sure of the right wording with it because yeah, not, not everyone needs to ride a bike, but it does seem to be... Uh, I, I hope there's more to the character than that. And I do, I'm do. i sure there will be, but it, it has to be something to it because it's an odd thing to have otherwise. I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been Ryan who needed to jump from crane to crane. I was glad that it wasn't. Yes. But I can see yes. that sort of thing happening. And, and actually the dyspraxia thing sort of works in that it's it's a good visual thing. I mean, dyslexia is not necessarily something that, that, that is captured in body movement or speech or anything. It's it's you know, it's a lot more internalized. Whereas dyspraxia has a physical manifestation, uh, which adds to a performance or which can be enhanced in a performance. Yeah, but does again? I I don't know enough about it to see. Has it actually been incorporated into the performance apart from slipping on a ladder and not riding your bike? I'm probably being a bit cynical about it, but well, I mean, maybe that's mm. it. He's, he's an adult man. He's probably developed ways of sort of coping with a lot of the fundamentals, mm. but some of the more detailed fine motor operations like riding a bike, still a challenge. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not greatly familiar with dyspraxia. I think there's at least one kid at junior school who has it, um, so I'm, I'm aware of it, um, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily know it if I saw it. No. You mentioned before, though, the, the jumping from crane to crane scene. Mm. Every doctor in, if not their first story, that one of their, one of their first stories has this moment where they sort of try and yeah, do the I am the doctor thing, the the, the cementing themselves in the role, um, with the notable exception being Capaldi's doctor because they were playing up the mystery of it all, which I think in hindsight didn't suit him well. And for me, the, the leap of faith moment, for want of a better term, was as soon as those feet hit the ground running to make the jump, you're like, ah, right, now you're the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 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 from that point on, that I found the the, the Whitaker's performance came a bit more um, grounded rather than the, uh, playing the erratic doctor, which I thought was a good thing. Mm. Yeah. Actually, that was a, another point I sort of came to as well. Is that we talk about how there is a sort of debut story. Have we now got a sort of doctor character with the new series, a doctor who is generally manic in parts and certainly energetic and a bit of a motor mouth a lot of the modern doctors have displayed those traits mm. certainly certainly Tennant and Smith yeah I don't know and I think it would probably be a bit early to say this you know no doctor is defined by their first episode mm. but one thing my daughter did enjoy and again she's coming at it fairly cold was Whitaker's facial expressions especially when she's putting together the the sonic mm-hmm. 
She manages to do what on Smith and even Tennant would be gurning. Mm. I'm going to quite happily watch that space and just see how we go. And I have a funny feeling by the end of our season, we'll have a much firmer idea of, is that Dr. Shorthand or is that Mm. what they're trying to encapsulate in the series? Because it has a very different feel. It's definitely tonally quite different. Mm -hmm. Whittaker's Doctor expresses her surprise or whatever by smiling or frowning energetically with goggles on. Whereas Smith and Tennant would talk 99 to the dozen and wave their arms around mm, a lot. Yep. Um, so, again, we'll, we'll see. Mm. We'll see. I think there's, there's still some, some feet to find there. Were you reminded of anything in particular with, uh, with Whitaker's performance? In terms of other doctors? No, just, just a, as you say, the, the, the general shorthand of mm. let's play a quirky alien. But, again, part of that is Doctor being erratic in the post-regenerative palaver mm. so yeah i'll tell you what i was reminded of oh, oh well you sorry sorry peter what were you reminded <laughs> weirdly of weirdly enough victoria wood <laughs> so, oh well actually no oh I, I, sorry i thought you meant in the context of the show yeah. i was thinking bubble oh jane jane horrocks <laughs> who's also yeah where's jane horrocks from she's lancastrian a little bit northern. something like that mm. yeah yeah but but again not in a bad way because no. she's a she's actually an incredibly versatile mm. actress mm. who can do all sorts of interesting stuff mm. but i gotta be honest mate as someone from new zealand watching it may i don't know how much of it's a similar acting style and how much is it uh, yeah it's a lady from the a blonde lady from the north <laughs> and so i i'll keep my trap shut on that because you know i might be showing my ignorance mm. um one thing i do like about the new doctor is the return of the gadgetry and the uh the kit bashing aspect of her yeah in fact one yeah. of my first questions for you was going to be so what kind of scientist is this doctor oh dear listener this is something we <laughs> harkens back to our science episode yeah. many many moons ago where we tried to work out what type of doctor were previous doctors with Troughton being obviously a chemist mm. And uh, Hartnell being your typical rocket scientist from the fifties. Colin Baker's the philosopher. Yeah, Peter Davidson's the Doctor of Humanities. Hmm. Yeah, um, I would actually again too early to tell, but I don't think you can get a doctorate in kit bashing. But maybe engineering. I don't oh, know. I, I think, just I think engineering. <laughs> but again, we're basing it on one episode. Something I, I have to be honest about, dear listener. Um, I have said to Peter in discussions in the interim period building up to the show because we've not done many episodes while the series has been off because neither of us has been that enamoured with the hype around ooh, it's a lady doctor, ooh, it's Chris Chibnall, ooh, it's this, that and the other. But I, my comment to Peter at several occasions was if I loathe it and never want to watch it again but my daughter thinks it's the best show ever then that's mission accomplished and they've done really well. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that my daughter explained to her mother when mum came home after we watched it was the bit with the double blow torches and melting stuff, and that was really cool. Um, and so my, <laughs> my son mentioned the monsters with the teeth, but I think there's a, a charm there that... Well, I don't have a plan yet, but I'll have one by the time <laughs> we get to the top. Well, three fantastic instances of bodging stuff together out of tech and kit there's the, the sniffer router with the cell phone there's the new sonic screwdriver of course made out of spoons Sheffield steel. And, and a teleport made out of a microwave with hilarious consequences <laughs> i was laughing my mate was laughing 
there's something wrong with the time scale of the episode, which, well, wrong's too strong a word, but, she, you know, she does the t- the sonic build and the amount of time it takes everyone else to look at a file on a computer and hangs around for a funeral while not changing the jacket, which my understanding of funeral delay times in the UK at the moment is, is several days, if not mm. a week. So, I don't know, I, I, something about that threw me a little bit off. But, you know, again, the episode one does not a season make. No. Not at all. So, New Sonic disappeared TARDIS and still disappeared. I like the fact that we're sort of having a bit of a slower tease. No title mm. sequence yet, presumably next episode. One would hope TARDIS so. TARDIS maybe next episode, but maybe not. Uh, maybe an arc in itself. But, of course, we do know there's going to be a TARDIS in there. And, in general, sort of playing out on its own terms, which I, I admire. I like yeah, no, no, it's it's very much a, not even a soft reboot. It's a fairly firm kick in the pants. I did enjoy, just speaking of doctorish things, and I assume they're very deliberate. There's two instances where the doctor says, this is new, new is scary, mm. you, you just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And right at the end, there's this little talk about being capable of change and choosing what you want to be and evolving, which I thought were very, well, not not subtle, but subtle enough indications that they're very aware of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a, a great amount of confidence in this, which mm. uh, which which is good. That's where I'd want it to be. I, I definitely would want it to be apologetic in its new approach and its changes. And also, I, I was rather delighted at how dismissive the Doctor was towards her own change it's her own train and she sort of says is it yes three yes why are you referring to me as a woman or something mm. uh, because you're a woman oh okay <laughs> and then thank god no sort of Moffat era oh you know how did I think with all this ego and, and reflecting back on I was worried about the, with, with the line that says I can't run that fast with all this and the hands sort of gesturing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like all this internal fizzing going on. It's like, oh, that's okay. I, was, I thought you were going to say, make some comment about in man's clothes or running. I don't know. Yes, I, I think they're treading a line. And again, I, I'm sure next week will be a, a bit more the direction the show's going to go. Mm-hmm. I think it was at Russell T. Davies at one point said when the series came back, he didn't really care about the ratings for episode one. Mm. It's what matters is the ratings for episode three. So, but the ratings have been very good. They have, yeah. Although apparently the ratings recording system has changed between seasons, so haters are going to hate. I'm sure. Still oh, definitely, definitely. Um, speaking of things that are new, uh, new villain, new mm-hmm. monsters, uh, Doctor Who and the Tooth Fairy. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go there with that, but it was something that I. Uh, I thought myself, a lot of uh, very key touchstones, I thought. I mean, there's the riding a bike, but also Junior is in the process of sort of pulling his own teeth out. He did this last week when, when mm. I wouldn't sort of attend to a wobbly tooth immediately after the tea, went and grabbed yeah. an apple and <laughs> tried to do the job himself. So there's that touchstone as well, something that kids can relate to, which I really quite liked. I had the feeling watching it again that... I've been listening to a podcast, The Infinite Bad, which is recently mm. finished, but they have scary monsters in it, which are basically body parts gone wrong and like a, an, an army of hands and a monster that is just teeth. Mm. And they could have made it a lot more horrific than they did. It was actually pretty tame. Oh, yes. I, I, I did think the alien pod, I, and, and I think um, 
under the previous administration, it would have been like a, a big mouth full of lots mm -hmm. of teeth. You know, um, so I think it was it was carefully measured to be a bit scary, but not that scary. No. But I did think that the aliens pod or whatever it was they found in the bush at the start, I did look at that and go, oh, that's a little bit CBBC. Mm. I thought that was a little bit plastic. But the thing which I found really worrisome, scary, irksome was this fact that there's a plot point that's never really addressed. And you have people, one of them a young girl, young mm. woman, uh, left to rot in a state of limbo, which the doctor calls obscene. And I, I would like to see a bit of closure on that. I, I prob we probably never will. But it, it just feels like my doctor would go and try and make an effort to fix that kind of thing. This is the sister of Rao. Mm. And previous hunt mm. trophies. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, we only get one hunter, which is you know Tim Shaw. So there was a, is it a necessary economy, I guess? I, I know, but it was something that has irked me in previous seasons of Doctor Who where these big mm. things are big things, big things, paradox, paradox, mm. paradox. Ah, just forget it. <laughs> Don't resolve that, just leave it. And it, it's, it's just something I looked at and thought, oh, it would be, yeah. Leaving that open ended just was a little bum note for me. That, was, that would be my one gripe about the episode, but you never know, they might pull the rug from under me and Tim <laughs> Shaw returns. Uh, I'd be happy just with the worm cloud. Uh, term uh, thanks to uh, Conrad Lighton again from um, Space Spinner 2000 uh, the worm cloud to return because that was a very cool effect uh, in fact there were some really good um, mm. great mm. visuals uh, and and I really liked the soundtrack to the episode as well um, I thought you know the new aspect ratio worked very nicely there were some stunning scenes I think uh, both Junior and I really liked there was a shot looking over Sheffield and all the city lights are sort of rippling, which is very cool. And, mm. um, yeah, this, this, as I say, the worm cloud, that's sort of the ball of tentacles, really nicely animated and, and some really effective lighting and shade in the train. Mm. I, again, just when I was watching it with the kids, it was a bit more industrial than I think mm -hmm. they have a frame of reference for. But, again, we'll see what, it, what the next episode or two are like and see how that plays on a wider palette. And speaking of next episode, of course, the "You Will Be Watching" segment at the end. Yeah, that was weird. That, that wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I I get the point that you've got all these great people on board, and I am looking forward to seeing Mark Addy and Lee Mack mm -hmm. and and the, the, the few other names and most of the Coronation Street cast I recognised. Oh, two from Downton. Yeah, but the the problem is that if you're a kid, you want to see next week's monster. So you can skip mm. the trailer online, and I haven't done so yet. I'll settle for them saying they want to see it. I won't, I won't gild the lily any further in case I break anything. Speaking of end credits, though, Peter. Yeah. New theme tune. What do you think? Well, I've only just heard it in that one that one instance, and I've only seen the episode once. I'm going to watch it probably terrestrially on Friday night with the missus. But what I did here, it was, it was pretty good. Um, I know a lot was made of, you know, oh, they're reusing bits of classic Hartnell title sequence and so forth. But anybody who's heard Big Finish has heard bits of that anyway. Yeah. Big Finish has done lots of playing with um, with the original Ron Grainer thing. So that wasn't particularly new in itself. It was very drummy, but not in a, not in a great big Murray Gold sound. And it was suitably sort of electronic and industrial without being self-referential. So, mm, yeah. I, I still think it sounds like the Pertwee th theme being played down a well. <laughs> With, okay. it, it's better than the Peter Capaldi's um, kazoo, kazoo. Player, kazoo yeah. players in a souk. But um, 
I think the retroness of it threw me, to be honest. It might grow on me yet. I'm not saying it's the, the deal breaker for me because I'm not a tuny person. But I did like how the, the sort of watery effects of the end credits reminded me so much of the um, Pertwee Tom Baker uh, mm. closing credits. So mm. I thought that was a good thing. But yeah, the tune's still got to grow on me. But I, I don't know if that's going to be the opening tune. Some shows have different opening and closing tunes. Glass did. Mm-hmm. Um, we shall see. Indeed. All in all, it, it's done the job. It's got the viewers in. My kids are going to watch next week, and for that, you've done well. Mm. Job done. Yeah. In terms of us uh, beyond the sofa, of course, um, the show will continue on TV. But for our own part, well, the jury's still out, is it, Dave? I think we previously we've done fortnightly and done two episodes back to back. But usually with a wider episode at the end, now we're doing another podcast on Old English Comics. I think we're just going to do episode reviews, whether they're too fortnightly or we're trying to keep up every week. Watch your pod feed. Watch your uh, podcast feed and subscribe. Mm. Yeah, um, do just do keep a little eye out. Uh, we will occasionally pop out in the balcony and wave a tentacle. <laughs> mm. um, and, uh, and that'll be normal business. Yes, that us. That's us. So until then, we, we are on iTunes. We have a Facebook page. We're on SoundCloud. You can contact us at sofageddon at gmail.com. We also tweet at sofageddon on Twitter. So until next time, it's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good, good night. night.